This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The iPod was built in a mad scramble. Here's the second part of my conversation with Tony Fidel, who designed the iPod for Apple, what that sprint was like. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. That That, that is a crazy timeline. When you think through right now, like, you know, phones take 18 to 24 months to produce. They're just, and they've, they've got sort of a set schedule. The fact that you've done, you did this in, in less than a year's time after that, that initial pitch, and you weren't even an Apple employee when this all no. began. Like, how, what, what was that sprint like getting that product down to the finish line? Because that, that is well, uh, well, insane. It was, it, was, it was just hoping for the best and doing risk mitigation all the way, right? So first was, okay, well, we got this hard drive now because luckily the Toshiba hard drive showed up right exactly at the time. So, okay, Toshiba hard drive. Now it's like, okay, you're going to put a hard drive in your pocket and if you're going to drop it from time to time. You're going to set it down on a desk. We have a hard drive here, people. What is going to happen to this hard drive, right? Through all, so we're like, okay, build an extra margin. But we didn't know. We could test as much as we want, but we didn't know. So we're like, okay, we think we did a good engineering job on it. Then it was how you interface the hard drive into this system that was not built for it at all. Okay, how do you and FireWire too. So how do you get FireWire in? How do you get? So that was a whole other thing. Then there was a whole new software stack for UI and a whole nother new chipset that had never even been produced yet. It was just coming out of the foundry. So it was just a new hard drive. It was a new lithium ion pack that the world had never seen before. It just, we, we were one of the first devices to do lithium ion at scale, uh, uh, prismatic cells, the thin ones, uh, thin flat cracker like ones. Um, we were the first ones to, you know, uh, to 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 actually make a device that would last like for a day, you know, 24 hours. And, and so we had all of these things that we were packing in. And so it was like, OK, we had to be very conservative on everything. So we just layered and, and made extra space and, you know, just to be able to get that done. But there were a lot of like, holy shit, is this going to work kind of moments, you know, because we really didn't know. But you have to remember Christmas was coming. And I have been in enough large companies and seen enough projects get killed. And I know that an Apple wasn't doing really well. I saw them kill a couple projects when I was at Apple, actually. So, so I was like, wait a second, we got to ship. We got to make this happen. Even though they didn't believe we could make it happen. We actually did it without like other people believing we could do it inside the company. So it was all because I didn't want one number one to get canceled. I didn't want to get scooped by Sony because Sony was the right. number one audio in every single audio category. They were number one across the board. Didn't want to get scooped by Sony. So this was kind of this uh, you know, moment where you're like, I, we got to make this thing happen. And so we all just worked really hard. And 9-11 also hit right in the oh, middle. Geez. Right, yeah. it, was, right. it was absolutely nuts. And we had to bring the whole team in from more or less outside of Apple. We got very few people from inside of Apple. So it wow. was... It was a crazy, crazy time. And it was nonstop seven days a week. 
how, I'm clear, curious how you felt by the time, like after the sprint, you know, Jobs unveiled this thing uh, and his usual Jobs flourish. Like how did, how did it feel to finally get that product out there in the public after all that, that, that massive work to put it together? Well, to see something that was a glimmer in my eye from the earliest days of like Philips, you know, when I was at Philips doing, you know, handheld players and stuff like that and, and being a DJ and all those things to finally see it come to fruition with Steve holding it and saying, this is like, kind of like the future of Apple, you know, in a way. And, and it was, to me, it was just, it was absolutely amazing. But at the same time, I had had so many failures along the route you know, around the 10 years in Silicon Valley, especially with General Magic, um, you just kind of get tempered and you're hopeful that you're going to be a success. But, you know, you better not celebrate or say like you took the hill and you won. In fact, we had another two and a half years of not a lot of success with the iPod till it actually took off. So it was a critical success and the, and the Mac loyalists bought it. But after that, it was dead. You know, it just kind of did it. So we had a lot of work to do, even after the first one, to actually make it become the iPod phenomena as we look back and know it today. Really, the third generation and the fourth generation is where the, the sales yeah. took off. I mean, that's it's easy to look back and, and just sort of point to the this being such a huge success story. But back then, it was, to, you know, to your point, it was a big risk for Apple, right? Like, I, I'm just curious how, how much of that risk you had personally absorbed or, or how much you were feeling but in terms of the stakes of the situation when that thing launched? Well, I, you know, when, when I was contemplating even joining Apple after, after the pitch to Steve, I said, Steve, I've done, I've gone and built all kinds of devices. I know we can build devices, but what I've learned is, is can we sell them? Are we going to actually have the right capacity and the money and the marketing? Like Apple's only got a certain thing. You're trying to sell Macs, all these things. I said, what about Sony? You know, and so we had a heart to heart discussion for about an hour or so just before I accepted the job. It was all about what are you going to do about this? Because and, and I've seen and are we going to go the distance? Because at Philips and these other things, even if you ship it, they usually cancel it six, nine months later because they don't want to invest in the next one. And it takes three versions of anything to really get the ball rolling. Right. And so a lot of people just stopped midway in the journey. And I want to make sure we weren't going to do that either. And he just said very clearly, look, I'm going to throw all the marketing dollars on it. This iPod is going to be it. We're going to pull them from the Mac. This is going to be our thing for, you know, if you deliver for many quarters into the future. Right. And that's really, and he, you know, obviously we brought, you know, held up our side of the bargain and he held up his and, and, you know, the rest is history. I'm curious at the launch. I remember Steve Jobs. Um, not that I was at the launch, but I do know that he like famously gave out 20 CDs along with each you know demo unit to to reporters on staff. I'm curious if you had a hand in picking any of those CDs. I know you're a big music. Guy. Uh, no, I know I, I didn't. I would have loved to, but I didn't. I was so busy focused on trying to get the product done. You know, when we launched the, when we launched it, uh, with those CDs were given out and everything. When we launched. We didn't even have all the software done. We hadn't signed off on manufacturing. Like, like literally, we had to go right back to work right after that thing to actually finish it. So, and, you know, it was a, a few weeks later or a week later that we shipped it. So it was, you know, it was a crazy, crazy time. Yeah. And, and look, it's, uh, it's clearly a success. Uh, as you sort of said, it took a couple of generations, it took a couple of years for it to really blow up. But then it, when it did, it you know, it dramatically changed the, the music market, blew up CDs, event, 
<laughs> eventually. Uh, did you see, I mean, did you anticipate it having that kind of impact? Like, what were your early aspirations for this? Because, you, you know, you sort of talked about finishing that journey and, and, and really continuing through with this product evolution. Like, what were your, your aspirations for the iPod? You know, I just wanted to be successful. I wanted to work well and I wanted people to have an amazing experience with. That was the first and foremost thing. Because if you do that, then word of mouth and everything happens. And the iPod phenomenon was aided by marketing and all these other cultural things. But it really all stemmed from iTunes and iPod and making them work incredibly seamlessly well, easy to use, and then adding a little bit of capability each year so we didn't overwhelm the users. Start with music, add some photos, add podcasts, add you know, m- m- uh, videos, then games, those kinds of things. So keep layering on and, and giving them something new, all right? And so, and the other one is, was that it wasn't for sure that we're gonna win, right? So we always had to leapfrog ourselves. And we had to keep going and keep going. That's why we did, I did 18 generations. I think there was 20 in total, something like that, maybe 21. So it was just always, we got to make sure the next Christmas, the next Christmas, we got to have new products, new products. And in some years we were shipping three new products all at the same time in three different families, you know, of stuff. So, so, and so we were always pushing ourselves and the team to, to, to be able to, take this, take this tiger by the tail and make it run all the way and see where we're going. It was amazing that we, at some years and some quarters, we were 85% of the market share of all digital music players in the world. Like that's like, you're lucky, you know, you know, if you're sell 15% in cell phones today, 20%, wow, that's crazy. But 85%, no one even came close to competing with us. And so that was just a, you know, we never got, we never rested on our laurels. We never did. We always made sure every 12 months, and we had this cycle, this heartbeat, that's just bam, bam, we're going to hit it, we're going to hit it. And we made some really big, uh, took some really big risks along the way to hit it again and again and again, you know? So that was, we were playing it safe. Yeah, how, I'm curious how much, that, how much of that risk-taking was sort of part of the culture of Apple? Was it you? Was it jobs pushing for just more? Like what? How did that, that sort of evolution of family go? I think it was, it was, a, it was it, as we pushed more, he pushed more, and we pushed more. In other words, like, there were times like, we want to put a connector on the bottom of the iPod. Oh, no, no. We're like, no, we're going to get it in this one. No, that's take it. We can't do it. That's too fast. We're like, no, we're going to get it done. And then there are other times, you're going to get this done, right? Like, oh, that's too hard. Like, so what happened was because we had such a team and camaraderie, that each year we would then set the next bar of risk higher. You know, the risk level would go higher and higher because we're like, shit, we just did that. Let's do something more. You know, like when we were consuming, we were the largest consumer of all flash, NAND flash in the world when the nano Mm. came out, right? We had to ask for factories. I had to sign a PO for $4 billion before I even got to make enough product to know that the thing would work. Like the Steve asked me to sign in front of the board $4 billion worth of buying parts. Cause like, is this the right spec? Is this what you want? I was like, I hope so. I like everything <laughs> looks right, but what if they don't deliver, you know, like, and we're like, remember if we missed that Christmas season, at some point, 50% of Apple's revenue would go boom. Right. So to say we were going to take on flash and do it without knowing that we were going to have enough capacity or if the parts were even going to work like, so 
uh, it took all of us together, all looking and going and putting our hands in fire saying, we're going to make this happen. Just like we did for the original nine month schedule. And each year it was just like that. We're going to make it happen. And, and uh, it, you know, I'll, it, it's, I'll never forget it. And then we did it again with the iPhone. Right. You know, it's uh yeah, it's fascinating. You, you sort of mentioned Sony a couple of times as sort of that, that, that legacy risk. I'm curious, given that 85% market share, that kind of dominance you had in the digital music player market. Did you, do you see or did you regard anyone as the competition? Was it, was it other digital media players or digital media music player device makers, or was it something else? What did you sort of see as the competitive risk there? Well, it was always, what's the surprise, you know, Mm -hmm. what would be the surprise. So it was always us doing the research on different storage, different displays, different audio formats, different other features and we're like, what, who could surprise us? So we made sure we understood the landscape so that we could always best ourselves. And if we were the best and we bested ourselves, it's unlikely someone was going to just best us with every one of those features. We see people in the, you know, in the Android world, all trying to catch up to either Samsung or Apple and they, they get there, but then they like, there's only so much technology bits in the world that you can pull from because you can't make it all yourself, right? And so if you have a really great research arm, and we did, we have a whole team just dedicated on looking at every bit so that we had the very, very latest. Yeah, that included PCB technology, you know, the printed circuit boards. That yep. So we yep. were doing everything, like even new materials for bumpers for the hard drives and, and, and ways of, of making it more rigid so when you... You know, you sat in it's sat in your pocket and you were sitting on it, right? It wasn't going to yep. flex and break. So these are the kind of things that you know we were always on top, and we were always like, well, we're always one step ahead. I think the real competition came when we saw cell phones getting data, mm. right? And cell phones starting to tend to be two and a half G, starting to look like sidekicks starting to say, oh, we're going to put on MP3s and sideload them, not, you know, not digitally stream them or, or, but actually just use a cable and, or yep. a cable to put it in. And that's when you start going, ooh, Nokia is now starting to put MP3 player functionality on their stuff. People are only going to carry one device. Which one's going to be their go-to device? Communications plus media or just media? You know, that's spurred us into action in 2004 late four, late uh, early five. You know, Apple at the time, and we were all looking at it, the Mac was the digital hub of, of your media. So all these different things. So what other devices were out there? So there was digital cameras, video cameras, these kinds of things going, oh, should we go build some of these? So mm-hmm. once we had the iPod, what are the, what are the input ones? input devices that we could, you know, you know, video input, what have you. And so we started looking at it, looking at it. And it was like, yeah, yeah. Now the market's not big enough. Can we really right. innovate all this lens technology? And that's, we made the eyesight camera to learn about cameras. Mm-hmm. So the eyesight camera, if you remember, it looked like a, a little, uh, you know, yep. like uh, silver, silver cylinder. And uh, now it's built into every Mac. But back then we were doing that to research cameras because we, we thought this, this mode of interaction was going to be the future, you know, back in 2003, four. So, so we're researching cameras, all that kind of stuff, but it was really, it came down to the phone because we kept hearing it and seeing it and knowing how many units were being sold and where it was going. And they were starting to take little, 
you know, they didn't have selfie cameras, but really bad grainy VGA kind of QVGA oh, yeah. kind of kind of kind of photos. We're like, Ooh, okay, what are we gonna do? And the first was let's play nice, which was something like the Motorola Rocker and those kind of things. And then it was like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> these guys don't think like us, and it's really not a phone plus a music player. It's really a computer plus a little bit of data networking. So we know how to do computers. We know how to do this. And we can add this other piece because, you know, Apple was, we're the ones who created Wi-Fi for the most part and actually got it out there in the world, right? So we've done this before. Maybe we can do it again. It was, you know, that's easier said than done. It was a lot of work. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm curious how like that, that all kind of came in, like how the, the thinking and the work behind the iPod kind of helped inform that early development of the, the iPhone. Sure. Well, along the route, you know, there was one which was we were already doing video iPods. They were already shipping. We had the YouTube video iPod and all that kind of stuff. So we were like, okay, we were looking at glasses, like to say, okay, you can watch, you can watch full screen video on glasses. And we filed some Mm. patents on that, you know, like a a VR headset today. Obviously that didn't ship. But then it was, okay, if we're not going to do this, well, maybe we'll just make a full screen iPod without a click wheel and the click wheel was virtual. You know, it was just on screen. So we were making that prototype. And then over on another corner, uh, uh, another part of my team was making an iPod plus phone, which was just an iPod classic with a wheel. And you'd use your headset, you know, you'd use your, your, your headset plus a mic to then make calls and you would select. So that was one, that was another one. And then over in the Mac team, uh, unbeknownst to me, they were making a touchscreen Mac and they had just acquired a company, Steve Hotelling, amazing guy. Uh, his, he was leading this project for uh, Apple. He was acquired to do a multi-touch capacitive touchscreen on, for a Mac, but it was a huge ping pong table sized mock-up to make it all work. Cause it, they didn't, we didn't have all the semiconductors and all this stuff, but it was like, Hey, here's the theory of operation. They're all working. It was like, Oh my God. So we had these three different things going on, multi-touch screen Mac, the iPod plus phone, iPod classic plus phone, and then a full screen video iPod that had a virtual wheel. And so all of those things came together to then make the, what we know as the iPhone today, the precursor for the iPhone. And then we had to rev it a couple of times before and throw it away, throw it away twice before we made the last one to, <laughs> to to, to push out the door in 2007. That's it for part two of our conversation. Stay tuned in the coming days for the third and final part. In the meantime, you can check out our full iPod anniversary series on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge, sign for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash daily charge. And if you liked what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.